Welcome to another episode of Today's Tick. My name is Trent Scheidecker. I'm a chiropractor and I'm also an advocate for chiropractors who locate, analyze, and facilitate the correction of vertebral subluxation for the better expression of the body's innate intelligence. Each week we like to study in an inspiring principle, question, or chiropractor to help you acquire today's philosophy, science, and art of chiropractic. Thanks for investing your time with us as a student of chiropractic. Now let the class begin. Inductive reasoning, on the other hand, is not entirely suitable to an understanding of chiropractic. It is more appropriate for scientific experimentation. It is the philosophical basis for empiricism. B.J. Palmer In today's tick, we're going to grow in our understanding of what inductive reasoning is, how inductive reasoning works, and how it's applicable in empirical research. And we're going to try to figure out if we can fit inductive reasoning into our chiropractic paradigm. As you listen, make sure you share us with your friends, classmates, and colleagues, and feel free to tag us at Today's Tick. Now let the class begin. While searching for answers to questions like, how do we quantify or our quality of life or well-being, you have to start with a process by creating a theory. Theories in the realm of what causes what and why. You see, many professional fields, if not all, are formed based off of a revolutionary theory that proves to change the current mindset to a new way of thinking. A paradigm shift is what that's called. This process is usually a reorganization of current knowledge into a new order that solves the question that was unanswered before or just wasn't properly answered as good as it should have been. This reorder of information into a new order requires a mindset about the information or knowledge to be open to receiving it in order for you to accept it. If you keep your thoughts or opinions about it as you currently have it, you'll be challenged in accepting this new theory or way of thinking. One of the most impactful theories that not only revolutionized the way we do things on a day-to-day basis, but also the use of the word revolution itself, was the theory of heliocentrism. And this is the theory that was developed by an ancient Greek astronomer, Nicholas Copernicus. And he developed and convinced us that the theory that the Earth revolves around the center of the solar system, the sun, was the actual process compared to the opposite way it was in theory prior to his revolutionary paradigm shift. His theory was revolutionary as it was exactly the opposite of what the Roman Catholic Church aligned with prior to his new theory. You know, the Catholic Church thought that the solar system uh, had the sun revolving around the earth. And before his theory was accepted as truth, 
the current knowledge was the sun revolved around the earth and everyone accepted this as normal. You know, uh, nowadays this sounds completely ridiculous, but the reorganization of then that that then current knowledge took massive effort and was resisted by many, if not all, because of the current model being accepted as truth. He stood alone in his defense of it against the current mindset at that time until his theory proved to be true. You see, theories are tested and evaluated whether they are true or not within a branch of knowledge or even just philosophy in general. Branches of knowledge or philosophy is a classification of wisdom by those who study these theories within the context of that branch. For example, metaphysics is a branch of knowledge that studies theories within the context of nature of existence and reality. Epistemology is the branch of knowledge that deals with nature and knowledge. Ethics is the branch of knowledge of the study of what's right or wrong. Logic is the branch of knowledge that studies theories of current reasoning. You see, these branches of knowledge are a collection of information for the search to truth or facts. Branches of knowledge are valuable within a professional industry as they become a resource for the practical application of that theory. You see, theories can turn into application whether they are true or false, and when the application of a false theory is commonplace, it takes time and further clarification and reorganization of the information to develop a new and hopefully correct theory. For instance, the original theory of being pronounced dead was based on the monitoring of whether you were still breathing. Yes, they used to monitor your breathing to determine if you were alive or not. This may sound ridiculous now, but in 1798, a German priest, P.G. Pessler, proposed that all coffins have a cord running through a hole in the coffin that would be connected to the church bells. The person who was pronounced dead would um, have this because they no longer would be breathing and they wouldn't be ringing the church bells. But if for some reason they woke up and the cord was in their hand and they came back to life, they could pull the cord and ring the church church bells. This proposal sparked the idea of creating coffins that had signal systems or safety coffins is what they were called. Safety coffins were a physical sign that this theory of being alive or dead was not fact or was not 100% true. It wasn't uncommon for people to be buried alive actually not that long ago because of this false theory that you were dead when you stopped breathing. This theory has now been replaced with the theory in medicine that the human body is no longer alive when there is brain death or there no longer is any brain activity. The neurological system stops working. This current theory of whether someone is dead or alive is based on referring to the organ that sustains life within the body, the neurological system. And this neurological system is the first organ to develop in you, and it's the coordinating organ that connects all of your cells, estimated 70 trillion cells, 
and organs together so there's a harmonious action of function that can occur together within the body. This current theory is differentiating death from life within the context of the body and that requires a knowledge within a certain profession and it needs to be accurate so the practice therefore is too. You see as much knowledge we've attained on how the human body functions, we still don't have all the answers or facts on how the body works. That may sound crazy, but we still do not have all the facts on how the human body works. It's been stated by Thomas Edison that we don't know a millionth of 1% about anything. And I believe that quote still holds validity today as it did when he made it. And I believe that quote specifically relates to our understanding of human physiology. Yes, I don't believe we know all the facts about human physiology. I think we know a great deal, but we don't know everything about the human body. You see, our lack of accurate understanding means we look at all the facts that we've found and come up with wrong conclusions or partial truths is what you could say. You see, our limited perspective looks at A and B and thinks that A cause B, when maybe we're not looking at the proper relationship with cause and effect as it relates to the whole, and maybe B caused A. Now, this may sound elementary to you, but a vivid illustration of coming up with the wrong conclusions includes the practice of bloodletting. You see, the oldest theory of Good health revolved around the idea that blood had to be in perfect balance or state of balance. And if sickness was evident, the practice of draining blood from the body would get rid of all the blood bud and blood and sickness within it. You see, bloodletting became the standard approach to treating ill health and was even performed on America's first president, George Washington. Yes, bloodletting was more harmful than beneficial in cases that were documented throughout its longevity of use. This evidence changed the theory that getting rid of sickness through bloodletting was not true. Nowadays, it's the exact opposite. We put blood into people because it's so vital. You see, our society makes decisions based on knowledge or even in some circumstances, the wrong knowledge. And knowledge isn't enough to move you towards 100% validity. And the understanding of the knowledge is what's necessary. I'll say that again. The understanding of the knowledge is what's necessary to move us closer to 100% certainty. There is so much information in this world, more nowadays than even before. And knowing the information is all good, but good isn't good enough. Understanding the information is the difference between burying a person who isn't breathing but still alive and burying a person who isn't breathing and is dead. Yes, that's a big difference. Looking back on all the knowledge we thought we understood but didn't reveals the necessity for complete comprehension of accurate knowledge. You see, living a life of incomplete understanding could be referred to as injustice, injustice to your potential. 
you think all is well, but you find out that due to an incomplete knowledge and the compounding effects of time and stress, you realize you had this incomplete understanding after the weak link in the chain breaks and the signs and the symptoms finally appear. No pun intended. You see, understanding accurate knowledge and making the right decision when faced with a choice is based on really two fundamentals, inductive reasoning and deductive reasoning. Inductive and deductive reasoning are opposite forms of logical reasoning when trying to understand knowledge. Inductive reasoning is used when the facts are not available. You are acting on what you assume the facts to be. Inductive reasoning is a thought process for creating conclusions based on a prediction from observing something that is true. It's a way of logically forecasting from part to whole or small to large. For example, all living things require water to exist. Therefore, in order to find new life, it will be dependent upon water to exist. Inductive reasoning is a great way to create hypotheses and theories in the scientific model when all variables are known and consistent. Yes, it's, it's, a, it's a great way to create hypotheses and theories in the scientific model that we live in today, but you need to have all variables and they have to be consistent. The limitation to using this logical evidence-based practice in human physiology is the body has many possible internal and external factors that cannot possibly be accounted for every time. The American inventor Thomas Edison stated, we don't know one-tenth of one percent of anything. And when all factors are not included, now you have false positives or false negatives. You see, people are slightly different from each other, and the law of individuality needs to be recognized when applying a hypothesis or theory to the human body. Just the mere fact of recognizing that the statement may be true, but it may not, is a step in the direction of realizing you need more than one way of thinking to complete the whole picture. If inductive reasoning has shortcomings, and it does, just like a lot of things in life, and the opposite of inductive reasoning is deductive reasoning, then utilizing a deductive logical thought process along with your inductive method would help you understand the information maybe a little bit better. Alternating between inductive and deductive reasoning will form more complete conclusions. Deductive reasoning is used when you use the facts to create your knowledge. And we've already done a separate episode on deductive reasoning, so take a peek for that one and dive further into it on that one. This one we're going to keep going down the rabbit hole of inductive reasoning. And while you're trying to make informed decisions and understand everything that someone is sharing with you, such as myself right now, or the research you're finding, utilizing a deductive reasoning approach into your understanding of the knowledge is is a thinking process that will build your actions on foundations of principles or facts. Deductive reasoning starts with a major principle or premise that is without any doubt 
true. And then from there, you deduce other principles that must be true because the major premise is true. Deductive reasoning was used in chiropractic over 100 years ago by stating a major premise that cannot be denied and then logically concluding statements or principles that must also be true by reasoning from that major premise. This was useful early on in our development of the profession while we were building certainty, but it's just as powerful now as it was over 100 years ago. We all heard this before, but I'll say it again, knowledge is power, but it has limits when it relates to the human body. And that's because of the law of individuality. We all have unknowns, excepting the fact that we don't have all the answers as to how the body functions to make up a more complete state of quality decisions can move us to a greater direction of seeking greater understanding of the information we currently have. I'll say that again, a complete state of making quality decisions can move us in the direction of seeking greater understanding of the information that we currently have. The benefit of searching for understanding to how our body functions lies in Aristotle's statement that the whole is more than the sum of the parts. The whole body is greater than the sum of the parts. What this means is the individual parts of your body, your brain, your heart, your lungs, stomach, etc. are all connected together to form one complete body in complete harmony or an entity in form. They are worth more than the parts were alone. The parts of your body require each other to function and they are all connected together by an unquantifiable recuperative force that coordinates the body parts to keep the parts working in harmony. This principle of coordination within us makes the whole more than the sum of the parts, and this is unquantifiable. This coordinating recuperative power within our body is unquantifiable because it can't be measured in quantity. You see, we can we can know with certainty whether or not someone is alive or dead, but we do not have relative indicators of how alive someone is or how much less life they have in them. If we leave unquantifiable measurements out of the equation, it's now an incomplete equation that will produce facts out of context. Taking part of the facts, taking part of the facts out of context makes an informal fallacy. And since we cannot quantify how the sum of the body functions due to the fact that there are unquantifiable features to being alive, and even the World Health Organization states that the definition of health is more than the absence or presence of disease, which can be noted in the medical community. And so if we realize that the body functions with unquantifiable features and those unquantifiable features are a part of being alive and the whole is greater than the sum of the parts, then using a deductive reasoning to understand how your body's functioning or how much well-being or quality of life you currently have or want to have can be quantified is in your best interest in decision making 
to move you towards a higher quality of life. You see, we're all originals. We all have two eyes, a nose, and a mouth, but all of these features are unique to each and every one of us. Even identical twins have unique features. This uniqueness makes us individuals, and being cognitive that knowledge and information about the general masses is a positive factor for all of us to help us make informed choices, including myself, this is a powerful part of knowledge. But being aware of our unique and individual needs within the context of the masses and the averages can lead us to make making more positive choices that can lead us to greater results. Being original can be included in your lifestyle choices. You may need more or less sleep than the average population does. And there's nothing abnormal about being normal and being an individual, but there is ambiguity in being average. It's not necessarily in everyone's best interest in being average. When we do what is considered average, it can be a cause to our quality of life being average. Average is a, is a statistical reporting feature for exact variables. You see, the definition of average is a number expressing the central or typical value in a set of data. In particular, the mode, medium, or most commonly the mean which is calculated by dividing the sum of the values in the set by the number. And my professional opinion is placing individuals that have unique and original needs into a central or typical value in a set of data creates an average at best result. Doing what everyone else does can get us stuck in the middle of the bell curve of mediocrity because we are all different and unique. Being okay with being average is really just an inductive way of thinking. And again, inductive reasoning is a great tool for us to use when all the variables are known. But I truly believe you are not average. You are not like the next person. You are unique and you have individual needs based off of your grandparents and based off of your parents, and based off the choices that have led you here today. And with all those choices being unique to you, they've created this unique individual person that may not benefit from inductive reasoning as an opportunity for you to benefit from 100% of the time. Inductive reasoning is a thought process for creating conclusions based on a prediction from observing something that is true. It's a way of logically forecasting from part to whole or small to large. It's a great way to create hypotheses and theories in a scientific, scientific model when all variables are known. John Stuart Mill founded the model for empirical research in the 1800s, and empirical research is based on having empirical evidence, and the definition of empirical is based on concern with or verified by observation or experience rather than theory or pure logic. In other words, empirical research is designed to induce knowledge through, through direct or indirect observation or experience. 
John Stuart Mill proposed that you can induce knowledge by observing two known variables and discern the unknown variables by observing the differences between the two variables. This is great when the variables are known. But research is founded on inductive reasoning to create proven results from these hypotheses. For instance, people have successfully been treated for back and neck pain with chiropractic adjustments. Therefore, if you have back pain, you can successfully benefit from chiropractic adjustments. Inductive reasoning is going from small to large. That's what that example just was. It was inductive reasoning. Since it happened in a small group, let's prove it to be true in a large group. The limitation, and this is great in theory, and I stand behind inductive reasoning and I stand for research. I think research is needed in all professional fields, including ours, the chiropractic profession. But the limitation to using this empirical-based approach with people is physiology. You see, physiology has unknown variables, and if you don't have all the variables within quantifiable contexts, you have less than 100% of the variables to prove the hypothesis. And if you look back on what the definition of empirical research is, it's based on concerned with or verified by observation or experience rather than theory or pure logic. You need to have verifiable or all-known variables in order to produce the quantifiable conclusion. Human beings have a state of being that cannot be measured or quantified within a research study. To date, maybe in the future we will, but there are many internal and external factors that cannot be accounted for every time you are dealing with physiology. And when all factors are not included, you have false positives or false negatives. People are slightly different from each other and the law of individuality should be recognized when we are applying a hypothesis or theory to the human body. And recognizing that inductive reasoning to prove a statement or hypothesis about the human body may be true but may not due to unknown variables is a step in the right direction of thinking. And that's where I stand. I just think we need to move in the direction of right thinking. There is value in discovering more knowledge through inductive reasoning, but being aware of the knowledge as tested hypothesis through observation is what we need to understand. So my question is, can inductive reasoning or empirical research fit within the chiropractic paradigm? We all have our right to think different ways and in order to allow the shortcomings of inductive reasoning or empirical research to fit the unknown variables within the human physiology you need more than one way to conclude statements or hypotheses to complete the whole picture of accurate knowledge or understanding so my professional opinion is is we should always supply or we should always support inductive reasoning with other forms of logical thinking. And if inductive reasoning has shortcomings and the opposite is deductive reasoning, then utilizing deductive logic comes along with the inductive method would help complete a position as it relates to the human physiology.
And understanding accurate knowledge equals greater performance and greater performance in making decisions that will move you and all of us as a society towards the right outcomes. Making the right decisions because you understand the principle that knowledge is a form of educated adaptation. You're choosing which direction to move, not only for your survival, but for the ability to thrive and also with your future generations. And understanding knowledge allows you to adapt to the demands and stressors of your life that try to break you down to a lower state of well-being. Greater performance and adapting to life's demands can add longevity to your life. And the relationship between comprehension of accurate knowledge and longevity are there. The advantages in healthcare, work, and environment, and all factors that contribute to your well-being through intelligent decisions and actions are linked to making the right decisions with the information or knowledge you hold. There you have it. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Let me know what you enjoyed with it by tagging us at Today's Tick on social media. This is your first episode. Please subscribe. Leave us a review. Reviews help us spread the message about chiropractic and the location analysis and correction of vertebral subluxation. Share this episode with your friends, classmates, and colleagues. And be a champion. Be a hero. And send them this episode. You never know how far reaching something you think, say, or do today will affect the lives of millions tomorrow. BJ Palmer. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you on the next episode. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, mitigate, or prescribe the use of any technique as a form of treatment for any physical condition, symptoms, or diseases. Directly consult with a qualified healthcare professional for any chiropractic or medical advice. And in addition to the benefits of chiropractic care, one should also be aware of the existence of some risk. Risk associated with chiropractic care may include soreness, musculoskeletal sprain, strain, and fracture. In addition, there have been reported cases of stroke associated with chiropractic care. Research and scientific evidence do not establish a cause and effect relationship between chiropractic care and the occurrence of stroke. Rather, studies indicate that people may be consulting chiropractors when they are in the early states of a stroke. In essence, there is a stroke already in process. However, you are being informed of this reported risk.